0: Welcome back, and Happy New Year, everybody. This is Charles Murphy hanging out, as always, with Charles Villanueva on the first episode of 2021. We are at episode 76 overall, and we are uh, excited to break in the new year with some conversation about Wonder Woman 1984 and a little bit of the news that we've missed since we last talked to you guys. Let's check in and see what's going on with Charles in this new year.
1: Uh, I'm doing fine. I finally have a new mic. I, I think... To, to everyone who's been like, I guess complaining about my shitty earphone <laughs> mic, now I have an actual mic, and you know, i'm I'm just excited to, you know, ring in the new year with with some new actual podcast gadgetry. So I'm excited. But what about you? How are you? how How did you spend your new year?
0: New Year was pretty uneventful for us. Um, I was definitely asleep by like <laughs> ten or ten thirty. And then my wife had to wake me back up so that I could watch Dick clark's balls drop um and then i went back then i went back to bed immediately after
1: as you should you gotta watch dick clark's balls you know on tv always well you always gotta see it yeah always gotta see that but i guess we should move on to you know this this tiny bit of news we have because there's not much nothing really happens during that period of the of december because everything's uh everyone's on christmas break and whatnot but you broke something which I guess you know got at least some people talking about what the hell is going on with with Marvel and their casting. You you drop that Joseph Gordon Levitt has met with at least one creative at Marvel Studios for an unknown thing. We don't even know if it's for a role, if it's if it's for just like you know a creative input on something. But can you give us like the deets what you heard about J J. L meeting with Marvel?
0: Yeah, this is one of those that's. Um... Only interesting in the speculation that follows. We we know that Joseph Gordon Levitt has been in talks with them for roles in the past. Um, I want to say he was involved in the Scott Lang conversation at some point. Um, and he's kind of been on a little bit of a hiatus because he's been had had some kids and has spent some time them with their them uh, there raising them. And now he's looking to get himself back in, in the movies a little bit more. And I just all I heard was that he had Um, been in touch with one of the people in a creative position at marvel studios and and it's weird because it's again so contextless which so many of the rumors and things that we hear are so um i don't know if he had a cup of coffee with him i don't know if he had a meeting with him i don't know if he was simply sent a text or an email saying happy (laughs) holidays but it's just so interesting the timing of it um with we know that jgl is kind of Getting back into the swing of things, he's getting a little bit more involved. We know that um, Moon Knight is getting ready to get rolling in March, uh, and, and um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is 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 a Jewish actor who could lend any any kind of structure and help, or you know, as a as maybe like a consultant to that show. I have a real wild theory that I'll mention in a minute. I guess it's not too wild. When I shared it with some people, they told me they'd already heard it, but it it just was the first time it crossed my mind. And then I know a lot of people fan cast JGL as Reed Richards. And so, you know, it could even be something like that or him as Ben Grimm, or again, it could be absolutely nothing. But I just get excited around around that guy's name because he's so talented. He's a writer, he's a director, he's an actor. uh, and, And like I said, he seems to be pretty universally loved. So it was just something that over that dead period, it was a little bit of something for fans to think and talk about.
1: Was was this theory, theory of yours the idea that what if Moon Knight's personalities are, will be played by different actors? That was for me, right? Yeah, I, and I you.
0: talked to you about that yeah. uh, maybe the day of that that article. And I shared it on our Discord, and people were like, oh, yeah, that's been out there for a while. And I was like, oh, okay, well, that's fair. I I'd never heard it, and I don't... Um, I guess I don't necessarily follow along with as many things on Twitter and I hardly ever go to Reddit, so I could have easily missed it. But yeah, I just, I like that, you know, Feige's been talking about these distinct different personalities all the time and how, how in the show they're distinct personalities. And I was like, man, what if they went like the the straight up fight club route and actually cast different actors in those different roles? What if, what if Spectre was so crazy that he actually, instead of having just different you know, little costumes that he had whole different people created in his head. And what if, you know, Joseph, Joseph Gordon-Levitt played, played Stephen Grant and, uh, you know, Oscar Isaac played, played Spectre and, uh, the one, the one that I'll say it just cause it'll piss people off. And then what if a dude like Justin Kroll or David Diggs played, uh, played the cabbie played Jake, you know, yeah. and you had just completely yeah. different, completely different people, um, in those roles. And I thought like, why not? I mean, how, how far, you want to put you could push it however far you wanted as as uh, Kevin Feige and you're doing this and you could you could do a lot of different things, so yeah. And I don't I don't know that what it's for if it's for anything at all. But that was one thing that crossed my mind.
1: Yeah, the closest thing I can I can come up with that's I guess similar to your idea that you know this one guy's played by other actors is um, Heath Ledger's final movie. I forgot the title of it. Is like um the Imaginarium of Doctor Parnassus he, oh, yeah, he yeah, yeah. passed before he finished that movie but because that movie was so fantastical out there over the top out of this world they found a loophole I guess loophole or rather a creative you know way to to, to cover his bases by casting different actors to play the character in, in in this tiny different worlds with um with like I said different faces like Johnny Depp was there um if I'm not mistaken Colin Farrell was one of them I forgot who the other one was but basically I think that idea worked. And it certainly works on this 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 scale with um with Moon Knight, like you said, you know Jake Lockley could be played by another guy, uh, Steven Gunn could be another guy, and Mar- obviously you got Mark Spector, who's a uh, Oscar Isaac. I think it could work on so many levels, but like the only thing I like I, I'm, I'm thinking about is how expensive that shit is gonna be, just for yeah. your. You have like one guy, and he's already being played by like five a-listers. It's gonna be like I guess a nightmare to cast when you bring that onto the movies. Like imagine seeing Moon Knight in the Avengers, in one <laughs> scene it's Oscar Isaac, and the next scene it's fucking JGL. It's a fun idea, but I guess logistically that's what I'm. That's where my mind goes of how feasible that is. But it's a great idea. I, I, I'm kinda, I'm kind of I'm kind of more drawn to the idea that he's Reed Richards. I like that idea of him playing him because he's kind of nerdy he he has a goofy charm to him that I always that I think that Reed needs to have and he kind of fits I know he was um, what's his name in, in Dark Knight he was Robin but you yeah. know that, that really isn't amounting to anything right now so I think at this point because he's like you said he's getting back into the swing of things he's 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 been on a hiatus at least for, for big movies and whatnot I think it's high time for him to to return and I think Reed Richards is one of those roles that would be really, really great for a JGL resurgence. Yeah,
0: and like I mentioned in the in the article as well, like if he did take on something like Reed, or even if he was Ben Grimm, you're looking at a guy who's like in his, I think he's in his late 30s. I don't remember what it was, but if you're going to hop into one of those roles, you know, it's a decade where you're set. You know, you're going to be very, very busy, but. You're set, and you're never going to have to worry about working again. Then, then you can just pick and choose and do whatever you want to do. And I'm sure that he's already in a place where he doesn't really have to worry about working because he's been acting since he was seven, and I'm sure he's doing fine financially. But you're talking about 10 years or or more, maybe, uh, of making a shitload of money and and holding down a franchise role in the MCU. I mean, that's that's a pretty big deal. So I could. I could see someone at that age looking at that and going like all right this is it man this is my time this is this is the right time to hop in and do something like this.
1: It says on Wikipedia he's 39. He looks fucking he honestly looks my age. 25. I'm, yeah, he's, he, he's it's so crazy how how young he looks. Like I kind of I'm I'm trying to right, I'm looking at his photo. I'm trying to imagine him as Reed and depending on what route they go Like, if he's 39, I could see them making Reed 20 or something. Because of how young he looks. He can get away with playing, you know, early adult Reed rather than, like, a middle-aged Reed. Which I guess works, because he's a great actor, too. So, it's not going to be a problem regardless. So, there's that. Uh, Moving on. uh, An image from the set of WandaVision leaked a couple of days back. I think a week ago or something. And... I guess you should take take the take the wheel on this and elaborate on people with just what leaked because we may have been priv- privy to that months back.
0: Yeah, yeah it was interesting to see it show up. Um, it was really just a picture of vision standing out in a field. And if we're understanding it um, correctly, I don't know where it where it came from or how it how it made its way out into the public um because i think it's something that certainly shouldn't have but i think it i think it goes along with um some of the stuff we talked about with darcy's role in uh in wandavision so yeah i i don't i don't know that i want to say too much and i don't want to incriminate us in any in anything at all i know it had absolutely nothing to do with us um, and it was it was really interesting to see it show up because it's something that I don't think should have uh should have never been out there, but yeah it's it's because that's such an isolated scene and then and it was such like a um a small set that day. it's interesting to see pictures like that pop up and out of the blue to just some somebody that uh you don't you hadn't you hadn't seen leaking or scooping stuff before to come up with something like that that was definitely a I was caught off guard,
1: yeah and I mean it goes to show how. You know, we get shit all the time, we get information all the time, and these kinds of, I guess, you know, information we get, or in this case, like an actual photo, we actually don't run shit like this because we know it's above our pay grade, even though it's going to get a lot of people talking, it's going to get a lot of clicks, it's going to get a lot of eyes on us, we know not to touch that. So when something like this actually, you know, pops up, we actually get worried and start thinking like, holy shit, who, who the fuck put that out? Because that certainly wasn't us, and it might we might actually get some people, you know, involved with the production in trouble. Because, like you said, it was a close set and whatnot. So, yeah, it's it's, it's such a crazy, crazy. Like when when that surfaced the, the morning I woke up, I was like, "Yo, is this you? Who, who the fuck was? Who the fuck put this out?" It's it's, it's so it's so startling to see. But then again, it's one of those things that where we've known that for you know. For several months now we just sat on it we didn't touch it and now it's out there so it's one of those things where you know you, you can't do shit and just watch it go away but you know division is I guess two weeks from now uh, we have some a lot of stuff to expect they've been putting out TV spots left and right which I haven't been watching I don't know if you've been watching any of them Not the last really. the last I guess footage I watched was the was the trailer they put out in the investors day meeting but I guess we should talk about some our, our our brief expectations with WandaVision now that it's so close as far as, you know, now that we're getting more and more stuff, interviews are coming out left and right from, from magazines and whatnot. What are you... What's the one thing you're expecting, at least, with WandaVision?
0: As it gets closer and as I think more about it, I actually think I'm coming around full circle to one of my earlier ideas about it, which is that when we walk away from WandaVision and uh and head towards doctor strange in the multiverse of madness that wanda's either going to have been antagonistic in this show or will become an antagonist on some level um maybe you know if it's in this show or in doctor strange i i think that we're seeing the and the thing that's kind of made me think that is the idea that they talk about her and vision fighting for their home and i think that um it's it's going to—I don't know if it's going to be on the level of what happened to her in the comics, um, where she was pretty much hated by the X-Men and, and an enemy of the Avengers, and she kind of fought. But I, then again, I'm not sure that it might not get to that point with her and Doctor Strange at some, at some point. Like, I'm, I'm expecting her to be on the other side of things for at least a little bit of time, uh, and I guess, I, like I said, I don't know if that's necessarily— in WandaVision or if that's going to be in Doctor Strange. But I, I guess that's where I'm, my mind has been at lately is is Wanda as kind of the bad guy for a little bit.
1: As for me, my only expectation probably has to be seeing Evan Peters. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Because that was, that was such a big story we dropped. And it was like when June when we dropped that, when we were just relaunching the site. And now we're like, mm-hmm. you know, two weeks away from, you know, actually possibly seeing it manifest on, on screen. I'm just kind of excited to see that. And I guess that's the problem when you're in the scooping game, when you're watching that's something yeah. that you've been scooping for, for for years or months on end. When it's in front of you, all you can think about, oh shit, where was the thing that I, that I reported? Oh shit, it's different now. Okay, I'm going to look like a fucking idiot. That's the thing that sort of runs in your mind as you're watching these things. And certainly, now that we're two weeks away from it, this is what's on my mind. I, I, want, I want to see just exactly how Evan Peters shows up, who he shows up as, you know, people still think he's Quicksilver. A lot of people think he's someone else, but, you know, with with everything that's been going on with, with the multiverse and Spider-Man, whatnot, I feel like it could be anyone at this point. He could be playing Evan Peters from American Horror Story, for all I know. <laughs> yeah. But I'm just excited to see how he shows up. So I guess that's where my expectations lie
0: Obviously, everybody's got their their pick of who he's going to play, and we see it on Discord. Uh, just a daily goes through the rounds of, he's playing Quicksilver. No, he's playing Nightmare. No, he's playing Quicksilver and Nightmare. No, he's playing a different villain, and, and he's playing Nicholas Scratch, and he's, doing the, he's playing this guy and that guy. So I think it's going to be <clears throat> one, it'll be a relief just to see him show up on screen, but yeah, it's really... I'm really interested in finding out, ultimately, who he is playing. I know who I was told he was playing, um, and I'll... Obviously, I've kept that to myself this whole time, and I'll continue to, and I see I, I, I see everybody else's theories out there as to how it goes, and I'm just really interested to see what route they take with, with his character mm-hmm. and what they do with him.
1: Uh, moving on, some Eternals description actually surfaced not too long ago. I think these are from merch or shirts or toys or something. Yeah. Basically, it, it gives us a rundown on what to expect as far as powers go from the characters, I know when I read this I mentioned you I DM'd you right away and say wow these powers sound all the same. Yeah. And I don't know how are they gonna you know how are they gonna make it totally unique but uh, looks like here like Cersei she has the the ability to manipulate matter. Um, Ajax is able to communicate with the Celestials as well as heal humans and Eternals alike. And you know some of these powers are like cosmic generic cosmic stuff about shooting lasers and, and whatnot. But As someone who hasn't read a single, you know, substantial alternate comic apart from the Neil Gaiman run, none of these descriptions necessarily get me hyped because I'm I'm definitely one of those fans who pay less less attention to powers and just pay attention to the characters and whatnot. I know a lot of fans out there are super obsessive with powers: who's stronger? What if you know this character fights that? How are their how are they their powers gonna you know? blend together and you know just fight and whatnot but i'm i'm not one of them so does this description make you excited
0: no because it's basically what i what i would have expected anyway um i mean like they they do all just have basically the same power set and the way i've always had it in my head is they've all just sort of practiced at at one and become an expert at one more so over the other um for whatever reason right but they can all pretty much do all the same stuff um and, and I guess, like, it's my—it's it, probably good. It's my feeling in general about all the Eternal stuff, like this this leak of their powers, the Lego stuff, um, the the Marvel Legends that leak. Uh, I've just been underwhelmed with all of it. And I, I don't think that the movie's going to suck by any means, but, like, I, I look at the, the Marvel Legends, and it's like, oh, look at— look at how good Icarus looks. I'm like, yeah, it just looks like Richard Madden in pajamas, you know, like it, it, I, I haven't been ex- able to get super excited, but I am excited about the the characters coming to the screen and I, I do love their stories. So I think it's going to be fine. Um, but yeah, these are underwhelming. I think the only thing that I found interesting at all uh, out of the descriptions was that Thena seems to have been kicked out of the lost the keys to the kingdom as well, along with Gilgamesh. So, mm-hmm. like in the in the comics, Gilgamesh was exiled, and he's the Forgotten One. But it seems like Thena is has had that same fate befall her as well, and that's interesting uh, because she is the daughter of Zuras, who's like the Prime Eternal, like their leader. So it's it's going to be curious to me to see why she got tossed, even though I, I kind of have an idea of why she probably did. Um, it's interesting to see two of them on the outside rather than just one. That was about the only interesting thing for me, though.
1: Yeah, I, I've I've spoken about it before. The suits, you know, at, at a glance don't really excite me. Um, I think they're far cry from the, the the bombastic over-the-top Jack Kirby designs where they all have over oversized armor, which I still think is the route they should have gone with as opposed to making them skin, skin-tight armor. It yeah. kind of looks like Asgardians. Like, just on a visual level, know, like you said, the toys, you know, when I saw the, the Richard Madden one, like you said, it's just Richard Madden in a onesie. In a onesie that lights up. <laughs> And you know he's got lights in his eyes. It's it's cool, I guess. But you know I still wanted the the overgoing over the top Jack Kirby design. But you know if Loki convinced us that some good can come out of you know ideas we don't believe in, then I'm ready to be you know convinced by by the Eternals when once that first trailer comes out, which should probably be in, in like May or something. Once Black Widow shows up, so there's that. Uh, I think, but that's it for the Marvel stuff. There's not really much other than, you know, some of the films that dropped uh, this Christmas break, which was Soul and Wonder Woman '84. You wanna get to that? You wanna you wanna talk about Soul first? Like, what are your thoughts about Soul?
0: Yeah, I I wrote a review for Soul, which is those that are few and far between for me when I do written reviews. Um, but we were yeah we were fortunate, got early access to it. Um, and I was able to, to sit down and I've watched it three times now and I really, I really, really like it. Um, it for me is one of the, my favorite Pixar films and it's Pixar films are weird to me because even though like in the moment I, I love them, um, some of them I have a hard time rewatching. Like I love inside out. But I, I have a hard time rewatching it because it's set. So some parts of it are just so sad, uh, <laughs> you know, and I, I get to it and I'm like, oh, man, that's just like the, with the girl in, in Inside Out, it's just heartbreaking. And I feel like Soul's starting to get that way, too. Like there's some great parts to it, but some of it is so it's just so sad. And it it's it makes me think like, man, I don't know if I want to put myself through that again. But I think that's a good thing uh, that it that it runs you, you know, through those emotions. But like to me, it's one of their more um, adult oriented yeah uh, I guess themes and it's just like I watched it with with my family and I watched it with my especially like paying attention to my daughters and I don't I just don't know that they can get it because yeah. one of the one of the big takeaways for me is is how you know how swept up we get in in everyday life and we forget what it means to I guess, to what it really means to be alive and how we appreciate things. And I think it's, I don't know as a kid if you can understand that message, right? Like you just, you haven't lived enough to be Joe Gardner and to look back and be like, man, I've forgotten how great it truly is to be alive. I I think my when my wife and I went on our honeymoon, we went, um, well, we were in the Rockies. I'll just say that, I won't say where we went, but we went through the Rockies and i'm as we're driving it's like every turn you see you see a new um, unbelievable view a beautiful view here a beautiful view there and i asked her at the time i was like do you think that people who live here get so used to this that they don't even fucking notice this and and my answer to myself was like i guarantee they do i guarantee that the people who live there don't at some point get so used to being around all that stuff that they don't even notice how awesome it is and that that kind of that idea kind of came back when i was watching soul just the little the little helicopter um, seed that flew out of the sky, or all these little things. I can remember being a kid, and those little helicopter things were the coolest thing ever. And now I just you know it, it, you just don't as as you get older, you certainly sometimes forget to just kick back and enjoy the little things, like especially for me with this with this job that we do here. I'm always looking ahead at what's next, and I'm always thinking a, a year or two years or three years down the line instead of taking the time to see what's right in front of my face and enjoy mm-hmm. that, you know? So I think that movie, that message from that movie was really hit hard for me. It was really poignant just for me.
1: The thing that surprised me about the movie the most was how complex even just the world is. Like the world yeah. so set up with the rules they set in the, what is the name of the, the great before, or the great beyond, great before. Just the basic rules of how, that that segment of reality works it made me pause the the movie like at least four times just to you know recap okay there are kids there they're not really dead they have yet to be alive and then these mentors come in and they teach them about life but some of them aren't actually dead some of them are actually you know especially like the, the crazy guy who who spins the sign he's not really dead and there's some guy one of them is like living in the philippines or whatnot. It's, so, it's so crazy and that to me, that, that to me struck stood out the most because of how, like you said, it's so adult. Like I can't imagine a kid actually enjoying this, apart from the the, the cute visuals and the the great before. It's so deep. It's so like it, it's for people like you and me who you know who, who have undergone some sort of life existential crisis about what do you, what do you want to do, what am I gonna do like for the next ten years, five years, and whatnot? not? And you kind of hit the nail on the head with specific specific, specifically with how important it is to live in the moment it's that big realization in the end where where joe Gardner realizes that he's always been frustrated about his career and obviously i can relate to that as a musician where you're just waiting for that big break no matter how hard you try it feels like your 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 big break is only like one one gig away I i related to that so much but then in that moment where, you know, he's just playing the piano, he's thinking about 22, you know, suddenly, like, his, fla- his, his life flashes before his eyes, and it's the little things that made him happy. Mm-hmm. The tiny things that almost kind of don't, didn't matter to him when he was so hell-bent on chasing his dreams. And that kind of shit, you know, it hits hard, especially for someone like me who's a musician as well. It's just so crazy. And even that moment where 22 is staring at the like the the trees the the, the trees fall, the, the leaves falling from the trees and when the i guess it was a butterfly wing that fell on the the floor and she just you know finally realizes what it's like to be alive it's one of those things where you're like oh shit so this is that kind of movie and it's so it just hits really really hard yeah almost to the point where you know my favorite part has to be is where when when Joe and the and 22 take that last jump together and uh, the music is playing and you know joe gets left behind and he he kind of sends 22 off to i guess to earth where she's excited he's content and i uh, w- during that scene i was like r- i was tearing up because it was such mm-hmm. a good scene and obviously you got the moment where joe gets redeemed at the end where they give him a second chance for inspiring someone someone who hasn't been inspired for Thousands of years now, she she finally has her shot to exist in the world. Man, that was so that was pretty crazy. I think, like if if the movie wasn't so complex on um on a plot, I guess in the rule level where because because the the rules of this world was so complex to say, to say the least, I feel like I would rank this higher than Inside Out, but because Inside Out was a lot more straightforward with how. You know how that world worked. I think Inside Out might be still, you know, the holy grail for adult Pixar movies for me. Mm-hmm. But this is this is a pretty good contender because, man, it's such a, such a powerful movie.
0: Do you, I said this in my review? But did you, when you were watching this, you know, it's the same guy, Pete Doctor, made this as made Inside Out. Did you yeah, feel sure. like this was derivative of Inside Out, or at least that he got the idea for this movie while he was making Inside Out?
1: Yeah, for sure when when he, when I found out it's the same inside out guy it's 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 another you know I guess existential story where a, a guy has a you know a huge introspective crisis and whatnot it sort of works in that way like oh it's kind of like inside out but once once they get to New York then it's a completely different movie yeah. that's one thing I also noticed when the first half is kind of like inside out where you know, where our personalities manifest in the in these cute avatars. But then it, it the movie becomes completely different once they get to New York. And I think much of the movie really shines during that New York scene. Like I, I, the whole scene at the start with um with the great before was kind of like I said, to me it was a bit confusing. It was hard to keep track of what the rules were and who was who and what it what it all meant, but the New York scene really separated it from inside out for me.
0: Yeah, the the barbershop scene in New York is probably the yeah. the touchstone scene of that whole film. That's just a an awesome scene. It's a beautiful scene and there's so much going on in there.
1: Oh yeah, it's I think that might be also one of the best scenes in the movie. The for me it's the barbershop scene. It's the the one where Joe Garner plays when he's alone when he, he gets the gig and he's not satisfied. Yeah. And Obviously, the last one when when he sends uh twenty two off, twenty two away to that to that thing, but again, it's like like I said, the world is kind of confusing. Like I didn't understand at first why some of these you know people in in the great before weren't dead. They were just I guess meditating. I'm not quite sure. I understood that even now I'm, I'm thinking about it. I don't quite remember how that worked. Why was there a crazy person in New York spinning signs? Why was he in this world? I, it's not quite clear to me, but, you know, if the message is that powerful, it's it, it's a win in my book. Plus, I'm a, as a huge fucking Nine Inch Nails fan, Trent Reznor doing the score is such... It's so mind-blowing to me that he's finally doing Disney shit. We should move on to the Wonder Woman 84. I know that has been, I guess, the biggest talking point in our industry, in our circle for, for the past couple of weeks. Especially when, when that movie just came out on, on Christmas Day. What a fucking movie. You and I think it's a mess a lot of people some people think it's not a mess but I think majority think it's a step down from the first Wonder Woman movie I know you you've talked about it in detail with me and with with other people I guess on discord and on Twitter but to our listeners, what did you think about Wonder Woman 84
0: yeah I it was a it was for me probably three or four different times during it I was like, all right here we go it's finally gonna pick up. And then it, it missed again, it, it, it like would stop and start and stop and start. And I, I I guess the way that I broke it down on Twitter is the way that I, I have it best in my mind. And th- there were there were for me like Pedro Pascal's performance was awesome. Like, I think people missed the point that he was supposed to be over the top, that he was supposed to be cheesy. Um, I don't I live through the 80s. So I remember um, I remember what that was like. And I remember and I I guess this is something that i have stuck in my head there are a lot of a lot of uh reasons that a lot of other places hate the united states but the 1980s is like the reason why a lot of other places hate the united states <laughs> right the the 1980s was when the us was like full access for everything so like that 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 line that pedro says like life is good but it could be better and you can have it all i can remember as a kid having that shit shoved in my face in every commercial i watched Everything that I saw on TV, every billboard was no. You know what? You need more. You need more. You need more, and and it's just like that's obviously what what the one of the themes of the movie is. So I was fine with all that. Pedro was great. I thought Gal was fine. I think she's as far as giving consistent performances among the actors in that DC universe. I think she does the best. I think she's been she's been the same consistent level of good in everything she's done. I thought Kristen Wiig was awesome in what she was given to do. But I felt like un, for unknown reasons, she was not given enough to do. I, I think the way I described it on Twitter was that she was kind of written into a corner. And, um, you know, her as as she was Barbara and she was changing, obviously she was losing her mind a little bit. There's always, like there's that cost for that wish. And then just when she turned into Cheetah and she should have been awesome, she just was not and she was just wasted and and I just felt like that character and I know they're saying maybe there'll be more of her but that character was kind of not written great so those performances were fine and I always like Chris Pine I don't get the whole body swap thing but I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it so I thought the performances were fine but then at the end of the day like the writing and the choices that were made in the plot um, just made it such an uneven thing and and for all the good action scenes that there were You just can't. I can't explain away some of the choices in the writing. I can't explain away some of the choices with the plot. I don't get, um, you know, how at the end of it all, Pedro Pascal's Max Lord gets to almost. He puts the world into a nuclear war, and then everything is just forgiven. He's he gets to hang out with his kid now, and everything's great. Um, Diana ends up basically right where she started. She go she. There's nothing there for her. She the only person who comes out ahead is the bad guy. I just I can't I can't say that this is a good movie. Um, despite those really good performances, because I just had too many problems with the plot and the and the writing.
1: Yeah, left and right, this movie makes a lot of fucking insane decisions. Like you said with the body swap stuff, some people have equated it out to rape and whatnot. Some of the optics in seeing Gal ride a missile to save a bunch of Egyptian kids was you know. A lot of people have pointed it out to be one of the, one of the most insane Im- imageries in 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 films to date. It loses loses its steam right away. I guess for, I, to me, like even when it was about to enter the second act, I could tell like they were sort of scrambling on where to bring this the story because there's not really much to it. The pacing is all over the place. Like you think something's happening and then it doesn't happen they build up to something, but it doesn't really go anywhere. Like you said, it, it sort of starts and stops and whatnot. Yeah, but that it, killed it's, me. It's it's just such a crazy film where it doesn't really come together in the end. Like the first scene where, you know, when we see Origins and in, 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 with the Amazon and whatnot, even I felt, felt like that was a bit tacked on because it doesn't really, you know, substantially pay off to what exactly the film is telling us. Someone said to me that, that that moment was to show that diana was shouldn't cheat shouldn't have her easy way in life but that 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 doesn't really necessarily amount to to what she experiences in 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 1984 because like like with all the crazy decisions here she doesn't necessarily have her own she doesn't have agency she she goes out of her way to 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 fight uh maxwell lord but when it comes to, like, saving Chris Pine, she's kind of like, no, I don't want you to leave me. I don't want you to leave me. I don't want to... No, I haven't loved anyone. I'm, not, I'm never going to love anyone again. It's like, did you not learn anything from growing up? Yeah. It's such a crazy, crazy decision to treat the character that way. And, and Kristen Wig gets wasted as soon as, you know, as soon as her powers sort of come for her. She starts off very, very interesting. She, she, Kristen Wig's practically playing herself... In the first twenty minutes of the movie, which is always good, she's very entertaining in that way. But once once she starts getting her powers, once she starts beating up people on the street, once she has that fight in the White House with Diane. it's like that was a fucking terrible fight scene. Yeah, it was so, it was so bad. It, it it doesn't really like you said. Once she once she becomes as she becomes Cheetah more and more, she kind of loses that magic the character had when when you meet her at the start. It goes away. When she becomes full blown cheetah, she's practically a non character. She's a non entity. And they don't even give us anything that, you know, that sort of links her to the transformation of cheetah, other than the fact she wanted to be an apex predator. Like, what if she became a crocodile instead of a fucking cheetah? Crocodiles or a great white shark. A great white shark or a fucking, you know, those, those are apex predators. So I don't know why she became a cheetah. It doesn't make sense. Some of the wackiness didn't necessarily. Ring for me. I know. I know a lot of people think that the wackiness and the slapstick comedy was a uh, was I guess a nod to how films were in the eighties, particularly mm-hmm. some of the the action films in the eighties. It was very very silly, shallow, and you know, like I said, slapsticky. That doesn't necessarily pay off well here because it's it's one of those things where it feels forced. Like they wanted to they wanted this movie to be eighties. So what better way to have that eighties vibe? Then to have some you know silly fight scenes in the in the mall where, you know the bad guys are slipping around and whatnot. It's so so fucking stupid, and the 80s part doesn't actually amount to anything substantial in into the themes. A lot of people have pointed that out. You know, like you said, 80s was the decade of excess and whatnot. They they kind of tacked on the 80s part just to give Pedro Pascal that sort of greed is good. Gordon Gecko. Yep. Angle for 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 being like a like a like a white collar criminal, but it's one of those things where it's so superficial. It's like in the X Men films when when they set set the was it Apocalypse that they set in the eighties. They wanted that to. I feel like they wanted that just just so Sophie Turner could make a boy George joke. Like it's (laughs) it's nothing really substantial the same way, like the in in First Class where the sixties the the height of the. The, the the Cuban Missile Crisis and whatnot, that that stuff really played a part in the story where well this one it doesn't really, you know, pay any play any part in it. And now we're getting Wonder Woman 3. So it's it's such a weird direction to take the character considering they had so much good stuff as the foundation. Wonder Woman the first movie while well, it wasn't necessarily like the like the Black Panther of that you know it wasn't necessarily like a cultural touchstone. It was a very, very very decent movie that had a lot of decent parts that had a decent foundation that they didn't have for 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 this the like, this sequel which is a bummer but I don't know with when, with one with Wonder Woman 3 are you expecting something different at least like do you want them to set it in the present day or do you want them to go for another pointless period piece
0: I'll say I want to say this really quick about the 1984 thing The you you and you have to have have thought about this at some point too. There if you're gonna set it in 84 and like you said, the they didn't the setting didn't do much. Um the most 1984 thing that you saw in there were like the parachute pants and the dudes break dancing. But yeah, there was there was other than that, there was no real effort to like ground it in the actual pop culture of 1984. And you like they could have gone to the movies and seen Footloose. They could have played like when Prince when "Doves Cry" came out in 1984. Um, Van Halen's greatest album, maybe with "Jump" and "Panama," came out in 1984. Uh, there's just like all that music of the 80s, right? Like there yeah. was none of that. You could have done the Cars. You could have done. You could have done some Queen stuff. You could have done so much stuff. Like if you're gonna set it in 1984 you gotta try to ground it in that a little bit more so I guess for me if they're gonna they're they're going ahead with Wonder Woman three that announcement was made I guess maybe just a couple days after um after the release they I would hope that they would just bring it up to speed in modern day and not do another period piece um, it it's like you said with the with the x men films and the other one like the like setting Captain Marvel in uh what it was it said in nineteen ninety-five. Yeah. Other than other than letting us know that Carol's a little bit older than what we thought and letting um Monica Rambo grow up, Marvel kind of did the same thing with, oh, with yeah. that. There was no, you know, it you're like, hey, yeah, Nick Fury's younger, uh, Monica's little, but they didn't grab and they, at least with, with Captain Marvel, they did at least play some of the nineties music um and and set some of that stuff and have a little bit of grunge there. But you really if you're gonna if you're gonna make a period piece movie you've got i think you've got to go all into the period and you've got to like really ground that movie in that and i don't think that happened in, in wonder woman 1984 just like i don't think it happened in the apocalypse movie um like you said i think those, those are just things that yeah you know it's it's hard it's hard to do and i think of a movie like um american psycho and that movie i buy every second of why the 80s were important when i watch that movie um, everything about that movie is is like an homage to the craziness of the '80s, and yeah. I think you just miss you miss some of that with the way that they set this Wonder Woman '1984'
1: in the '80s. So you were telling me Gal Gadot needs to axe Chris Pine in the head while listening to Huey Lewis in the news.
0: <laughs> I think, I think that would be better.
1: Is, is that is that the 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 way to fix Wonder Woman '1984'? Could be. I... <laughs>
0: That could be. That could be Wonder Woman three. Could
1: be, yeah, well, one of the, one of the silly things in the in the movie was how Chris Pine he was so shocked at the sight of escalators. He was so shocked at the sight of you know um, like a subway subway station, but when he saw that the, the the I guess the the current jet of the time, he flew it with no problem, as if you know the World War One jets were the exact same thing. It's one of those things that I'm surprised that got past the the producers in Monat. It, it it sort of makes me question how Jeff Johns continues to write for films in Monat. I think he should be he's a very very talented comic writer, but as far as films go, I think it's clear that he doesn't necessarily have, you know, I guess the the the, the correct pulse on how to adapt a comic book. It's like I guess. It kinda makes sense when you think about it how Kevin Feige wanted to get away from the Marvel Creative Committee. A committee that was run by some of the best writers in, in comics of the time. It kinda shows how there's sort of a disconnect with with the with that with that circle and the circle of filmmakers that that make these movies. There's a weird disconnect there that just because you're an amazing comic writer, that doesn't necessarily mean you're gonna end up writing amazing screenplays. Which is a weird, I guess. It's a weird thing to, it's a weird disconnect to have, but I guess that's how it goes when you're in that, you know, when you're in that writing bubble.
0: Yeah, and I I can see, you know, Johns is a, a huge part of all of the creativity going on at DCEU. Um, I mean, he's got his hands on just about everything. So I don't, I don't know if it's, I guess that was one of my other criticisms of the film is there were parts of the movie that certainly seemed like they were not written by the same person that wrote other parts of the movie. And I, I had a hard time when I watched it, thinking like th- these ideas came from the same person. there th- It just really seemed like there were too many too many different voices in that script.
1: Does Maxwell Lord have the same power set in the comics because I've never heard of him until this movie. Even my dad, who's who's who who watched it with me, he only knew Maxwell Lord from the time Diana killed him in I forgot what what arc that was. but well, was he close to his comic counterpart?
0: The only Maxwell Lord I know is like businessman Maxwell Lord. I don't know. I I don't haven't read enough Maxwell Lord in the comics to really have an idea of Mm. who he is. But I I just remember him being like a greedy kind of shady businessman guy.
1: Yeah, some of the wish stuff like we I was we were talking about it as as I was watching it. Like some of the rules with how the monkey ball wish thing happens doesn't make sense like some of these wishes like manifest out of thin air while chris Pine has to inhabit some some guy's body it doesn't make sense with how it all pans out why is why is um maxwell or dying the more he wi- the more he makes wishes come true it's not really clear there's so much here that that, that, that doesn't really make sense in in a in a world where the infinity stones actually make sense or at least have some semblance of you know sensibility, like it somehow works despite them being the most powerful objects in existence. Somehow those things make more sense than this stupid, you know, monkey paw thing that Max lord has. Like what the hell?
0: Yeah, no, it was it was definitely weird. And then I guess he could pick and choose when he took stuff away from the people yeah. for granting them the wish, but he he maybe didn't have to take stuff away. I don't know.
1: It also seems like he can't have, you know, the same person make two wishes, like, consecutively. Like, he was talking to the... Um, then he, like, asked his uh, his staff member, like, if he... Hey, what do you want to... Do you want a car or something? Like, yeah, I wished for a car yesterday. Oh, shit. Then fucking Maxwell Lord ran away because he, he couldn't have that guy's wish come true. It's not, it's not entirely clear. And honestly, yeah. the fact that the wishes were such a big, you know, component of this movie... It kind of shows the uh, the lengths they were taking to make this movie feel like a silly, silly slapstick affair. Like, fucking wishes, really?
0: He definitely... When he talked to that guy, I got the sense that he couldn't grant one person two wishes. But then he turned around and gave Kristen Wiig's character a second wish, right?
1: Oh my god, now I hate this movie even more. <laughs> and it was so weird, during, during that time when he was, like, tossing out wishes like Oprah. I think he was, like, looking at the TV... Like I don't think he there was anyone else there with him or I think everyone was like knocked out or something. So I'm confused how Kristen became a Cheetah from that moment. Like was was Maxwell Lord looking at a Cheetah on the Discovery Channel and said, You're gonna be her. <laughs> like it's 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 so unclear. And the fucking Amazonian costume that she had that was like I guess the most powerful weapon on earth gets destroyed by Cheetah like an, a minute into their fight.
0: And then the powerlessness of Cheetah in the fight after that, right? Like she she just shredded her armor, she swung around a little bit. You spend all that time to put her in that role as this Apex Predator and be a badass. And it was just really just, just disappointing at, when it comes down to it.
1: I guess the only cool thing was seeing the carter at the end. That was a that was a fun nod. Uh, that was like, Oh, that's kinda cute, that's cool. Like, giving props to the OG, but Man, apart from that, like it's so hard to be excited to watch this movie even again.
0: Like, yeah, I've, I, I've watched it three times now, and I'm probably, that's wow. been enough for me, I'm pretty sure.
1: Like, I, Captain Marvel, I've only seen Captain Marvel once ever, and that was in the, in the theater. So I guess I might lump this along with Captain Marvel, but even I can say at least Captain Marvel is a lot more watchable and a lot more sensible than this one. Like once they, once they, once they went to visit that um, that Jamaican expert on, he was like, he was an expert on all things mystical, like how, you know how Diana was in like Egypt five minutes before, and then yeah. she, sh- she just pops up there, and even even Kristen Miggs like oh you're here that was fast, <laughs> like oh my God that was one of the worst exposition dumps I've ever seen. Like, exposition dumps are normally a stupid thing. Like, even in Captain America, the Winter Soldier, once Zola goes on his long-winded speech on how Hydra came to be in the modern day, even that was kind of silly, but it also at least pays lip service to to Zola's character in the comic as a robot. And it also, you know, it's it, it, it's a key moment in in the Captain America mythos. Well, this one, they just visit some random guy in, in, in his basement and that's where it all happens, so it doesn't really again amount to anything exciting, and it's just, ugh, it's so annoying, like they don't even address how like Kristen Wig never has that realization that oh shit, Diana is Wonder Woman, she never has that you know she has that sense of wonder at the start where you know she's hanging out with this hot girl who's who has everything, but then that sort of goes away once you know. Once the movie starts to happen, so it's yeah. one of, again, one of the one of the many things that make this movie really really bad, and I cannot wait to see how how they steer Wonder Woman three in, into a better direction. Maybe they they need to get rid of Jeff Johns. Maybe maybe they need to get a new writer in there. But it can't be I, it can't be like the same outcome as Wonder Woman 84.
0: I think the that one of the things that I thought of like the first movie. I actually just watched, Arlen and I just watched Wonder Woman again last night, the first one, and I, it was just so much more intense, and I, it's still one of my favorite DC movies. Um, I think Man of Steel, Shazam, and Wonder Woman are the top three for me. I don't know that I have them in order because I haven't watched enough of them recently, but I really, I really still like it, and I even, in watching it again, I even like the end of that film more than I like the way this one ended, and I had problems with the end of that film um, when I first watched it so i think there's at least you know there's a path to to getting back to that it's it's just one movie that you you can hopefully look at as a little bit of a speed bump um you know in in the wonder woman trilogy but i think there's there's that that notion that that first movie was was good it was a, a better movie than this by all the different metrics you can find online um and i think people just in general will tell you they enjoyed it more and the other thought i had was the first two Thor movies when compared to Thor Ragnarok are just like an entirely different thing, you know, and Ragnarok is something all unto itself. And so there's no shame either in doing something like that. And I I know you have the same creative team going on to it, but just saying like, all right, let's, let's go over the top. We've got Wonder Woman. Who's got all the powers in the world. Let's put a physical threat out there. That's actually going to challenge her. Um, because, you know, she pretty much kicked Ares ass and she kicked Cheetah's ass and it was cool that she got to lasso Maxwell Lord and, and, you know, talk to the people of the world and and hope for their humanity, but just do something like way over the top here with this third film, make it just an all out action spectacle. And I don't know who that, you know, who you bring in or what you do, uh, to make that happen. But I I think that's another option too, is go that kind of Thor Ragnarok route Mm. where you just pit him. Um, you know, he was pitted against... The Hulk and had you know the and and Hela and all these different things and just really shook what all the fans thought they knew about Thor. I think you could do that that with Wonder Woman for the third movie as well.
1: I mean, with a character as 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 deep and rich as Wonder Woman, she has such a diverse and expansive mythology behind her. Like I don't know why you wouldn't you know exploit that because there's so much good stuff to mine out of there. You know the Greek gods in Malta. I'm surprised that they didn't even tie the, or rather, they didn't they didn't even explore the, the idea that you know, like Diana. Obviously, you know she she talks about it explicitly that some of the Greek gods had some stuff like laying on Earth that you know that they're still using to you know mm-hmm. to to spread like their their influence. And I'm I'm surprised that that didn't really amount to anything in the movie. I thought like a Greek god was gonna like possess um, uh, Maxwell Lord at the end, but doesn't happen so yeah i think they should they should hearken back to what made the character what may or rather what makes the character so interesting is is her the, mytho- the the mythology that comes with her and to explore that and to you know give that justice the same way that you know thor we, we, we got hella we're getting gore you know for the most part even though you know dark world was bad they tried to at least explore some of the mythos he had with Malekith in the Dark Elves and whatnot, even though it was a shitty exploration. They still did that. Like I guess if like if you if you had to like if, if Thor two ended up being like Wonder Woman 2, oh my god. I think that would be a lot worse. Not, not, not that I'm mentioning it, Thor 2's being set in the 80s where Thor attempts to break dance. <laughs> that might be, that might actually be better. That might be a better movie than Wonder Woman '84. Just, just thinking about Chris Hemsworth, listening to you know Jump for the first time, watching Prince, and <laughs> wearing you know you know the MC Hammer baggy pants and whatnot. That might be actually a better movie. I might have I might have pitched a better sequel than um, for The Dark World, but you know. Well, since we,
0: since we know that Kevin Feige listens, don't be surprised now when th- when the fifth Thor movie is Thor eighty
1: four, where he break dances, where he you know he tries all this crazy eighty stuff.
0: So now that we've uh, turned the corner into twenty twenty one, we are looking to expand our Patreon benefits a little bit. And so we at, at one point we had a discussion about changing the current tiers. And instead of doing that, we settled on adding a new tier, <clears throat> and we'd like to invite you guys to at least check it out. This new tier is called the Watchers, and beginning with Wandavision on uh, January fifteenth, we are gonna, through our Discord, host four different Wandavision watch parties. And I should also say, like, for we're gonna continue that for all the Marvel Studios uh, shows. We're gonna host four different watch parties. Three every Friday, and then one spoiler talk one on Saturday night. And uh, we are we're looking at that. That benefit is a six dollar tier, and it gives you access to Discord, and it gives you access to the watch parties. But we also Charles and uh, and Joseph designed some really really cool custom prints that we're going to be sending out to patrons as part of that tier. So if you join that six dollar watcher tier, you you get access to the Discord. You'll have special access to the watcher watch parties. And every three months that you're, you're in that, and it's like a loyalty program, you're going to get a, a different custom nowhere watch party mini print that sort of serves as like a passport stamp for you to say like, hey, I did this watch party uh, with, uh, with the Murphy's Multiverse guys. I did this watch party. Mm-hmm. And I think right now the, the, the idea is that um, JJ is going to host a 3 a.m. watch party, 3 a.m. Eastern watch party. So right when WandaVision comes out, um, one of our mods... At uh, On Discord, one of our NovaCore mods is going to host a 10 a.m. one. Uh, superhero theorist Eduardo is going to host a 7.30 p.m. one on Friday. And then on Saturday night at 10.30 p.m., so we can get a little bit more of uh, the whole international audience in there, Joao is going to host a Spoiler Talk one. And so we're going to try to continue that every Friday um, and Saturday all the way through 2020-21. Uh, sorry, through 2021 as... Um, WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Loki, What If, Miss Marvel and Hawkeye all come on uh, streaming through Disney Plus. So we're we're excited to offer that. We've put in um, a lot of thought into it and we thought that was an awesome way to go. So we hope you guys check that out and think about joining. And again, that um, anyone that joins our our Patreon is is really helping to support the team here, uh, all of our writers and helping us continue to, to try to produce all the great stuff that we're trying to get out there for you guys.
1: Uh, in addition to that, I guess we should probably give them a teaser of what you and I are going to do for, for an upcoming tier for Patreon, which will be I guess, you know, to, to, to make things short, we're, we're planning to make in-depth reviews of, of, of uh, division, and of course the upcoming shows and whatnot in an upcoming um, uh, tier. Which will be, I guess, for the first time, a video version of this podcast. So, if you if you've been dying at least to watch me and Charles talk, hash it out, and just not hear our voice and actually see us, you know, do it. I think this might be the tier for you, and uh, we might we might we might put out a sticker that that comes along with that. You know, just sort <laughs> of a, similar to to the to the nowhere prints. Think of it as like a a loyalty tier for for a loyalty award for for participating in that tier. So we're still we're, we're still we're still working on that and making sure it's ready for for um the actual one Division premiere. But that's at least what's happening in the in in our Patreon world. That's our that's what's next.
0: Yeah, and we're we're really excited about that. We're gonna call each of those episodes. Um, well, the, the tier is going to be called the Cardinals of the Magus and the, and the episodes are called the church of universal truth. So, uh, if you (laughs) guys are up on your Marvel cosmic stuff, you'll be able to, to watch episodes of Charles and Charles, the church of universal truth, where we are going to do some video reviews, uh, starting with WandaVision. So we're really excited about that. We'll be, we'll be, um, finalizing all the plans for that and adding that tier, I think next week, just in time for you guys to, uh, to get going on WandaVision all right guys that does it for this week uh we thank you for joining us again and kicking off 2021 with us we will uh be talking to you guys again very shortly and like we said uh so many exciting things coming up for us in this year including the the changes we've made as a team and we're hoping to take you guys along with us for the ride we appreciate all your support and we wish you guys the best 2021 that you can possibly have bye